There will always be critics and naysayers telling you what you cannot do. They motivate you to rise above. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Squeezing the Orange of Social Science, a podcast hosted by myself, Akin Omobitan, and Professor Dan Cable. On each episode, the two of us pick apart peer-reviewed and published social science papers, and we squeeze them for their best bits so that you, the curious and ever-enlightened listeners, don't have to sift through pages and pages of academic literature. What's up, Dan? How are you doing, Akin? I'm feeling real good. Love this topic i'm feeling good and uh, you know what i feel like uh, you know what makes me feel good i feel like i'm sticking it to all of the people who said you'd be done with squeezing the orange by now <laughs> maybe we should be maybe. but frankly you're getting at least one more folks <laughs> this uh, this topic today is about the underdog effect and it's about the motivational qualities of when people think you're a loser yes <laughs> i love how you've summarized that so can we stop now? I mean, I that's basically I think, it. I think, I think, I think we need to maybe describe how we got there, <laughs> or how Samir Nu Muhammad got nice. there. So that is the researcher, and the title is "The Underdog Effect: When Low Expectations Increase Performance." Now, this just off the bat, this for me is interesting because. I guess, in a sense, like, you know, we're, we're talking to whoever's interested, but part of the idea behind squeezing the orange is these counterintuitive things in life and how do we use them to have a more rich life experience. And this underdog effect one is very interesting because it's relational. It's about how we're relating to others and what the outcomes of are that. That's right. But this is also about either individuals having low expectations of us or maybe the expectations that we have of others. So they didn't really look at it so much from that point of view in the paper, but that's why we're here yeah. to give some yeah, We're going to help them. Yeah, we're going to help, we're gonna help them. Yeah. But part of it is how does my behavior go on yeah. to then impact others? That's right. That's right. Well, here's something really interesting about um, this paper from my lens. A lot of people know about the Pygmalion effect. And that's that idea that like the classic study was they told a bunch of school teachers, these are the smart kids and these are the dumb ones. And then by the end of the year, lo and behold, the smart ones got better grades and the the, the, the dumb ones got worse grades. But the crazy thing is they were randomly assigned. Mm. And it was just the teacher's self-fulfilling prophecy where they challenged the smarter ones more and they let the quote dumber ones fester and ignored them basically. And so they created the reality they expected to see. And that's called the Pygmalion effect. The opposite of that is called the Gollum effect, which is if you think somebody sucks, you kind of make them bad. And that literature has been kind of unquestioned. And what Samir is doing, what this paper is doing is it's coming back and saying, yeah, but in some cases when you call somebody like you're not expected to do well, it motivates them to say, I'll show you. Let let me show you that I'm going to do well. And that is very interesting. And as you said, that can be very useful to channel that. Because there will always be people, whatever you're trying to accomplish, that are going to, you know, hate. (laughs) hate They're going to be quit. You suck. You'll never do this. And you're like, all right, mum, I just came over for dinner, man. Like, (laughs) let me... (laughs) I think it's going to be another month or so before I'm... Before I'm back. <laughs> so, what I love though about the Pygmalion effect and the Gollum effect is it reminds me that social science had a Wild West. <laughs> like the idea yes. now of actually going 
to a school and recruiting teachers and being like, so illegal. Could you, could you treat half of your class like they're thick? Could you, could you destroy real children's real lives? Could you break down the confidence of fifty percent of your class, please? They're only gonna be in the third grade, so it's gonna be easy. Yeah, they'll fall for that stuff. You know, and the teachers are like, "Why should we do this?" Like, well, here's a dollar twenty-five for some no, research done. Just so that the able listeners know out there. They didn't tell the teachers it was even a study. They acted like it was science. Oh, so the, oh, okay, the, so this was the, close. The teachers were not in on it, oh, which yeah. is even worse, because that's also lying to teachers and then hurting students. This is your, and then the teachers <laughs> live with that. <laughs> like there's some teacher now who's in like a nursing home, remembering the damage the they did graders. in the fifties. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, that's the wild west of psychology. Open the door. And let the monsters out. Okay, so uh, so Samir Nur Mohammed, the uh, the researcher here, had some more ethical uh, approaches to uh, to researching the the underdog. Four effect. studies. Yep. Really, really interesting how different the studies are too. And I don't know if we need to like go into the deep methodology on each and every one of them, but essentially. Um, as a whole, maybe we'll kind of skip through each one. As a whole, there's both like field study work of real employees doing real work. Yep. Combined with experimental lab studies where they're assigned to conditions, combined with places that they're looking at under what conditions this holds. Mm. And, you know, as a researcher, I, this is kind of home run territory for yep. me. Yeah, it's got the layers, right? I know you love the layers, I, I Dan. Do. It's like, uh, it's here's an idea, and then here's, uh, here's me proving my idea. But what about if it's this and what about if it's that? Yep. And so that's where it's, yep. I guess, kind of like compounding yes. studies. Yes. Where it's like, I'm going to eliminate all of the alternatives that you might say, well, this is what's that's really right. going on. And even one step farther, it's mm. just something in my head right now. It would have been one thing for him to have said, all that research to date, it's wrong. What he did is he said, it's right, but only under certain conditions. Let me yes. show you the conditions under which... It switches. Yes. All of a sudden, when instead of the Gollum effect, we can make it the underdog effect under these conditions, which, spoiler alert, it's when you don't believe in the judges. That's the bit that's real fascinating, because often when we put these episodes together in my head, uh, I'm thinking about all of like the managers and leaders out there who are like rubbing their hands together and being a bit like, now I'll get more performance out of my team. But this is reliant on your team thinking that you're the thick one. (laughs) You have to play dumb, right? Okay, But only with the people who you don't think are any good. You, you You need to make them think you don't know what the hell you're talking about because then they're going to outperform you and they're going to show you how dumb you are <laughs> this is this is humanity peeps we're, we just in one way or another we are all just trying to one up each other so let's start yeah, let's, let's, let's start breaking down some of these studies Dave, because you think the, the first one was amazon don't you i'm so sure the like <laughs> Okay, let's bring the listeners in on the joke. Because, like, with a lot of these studies, like, so you're great at this, Dan, in the sense of when they're talking about universities, you know exactly which university they're talking about. Because there'll be, like, a large uh, Midwestern university, which really seems to love the color blue. And you'll be like, I know <laughs> exactly. I know, I know what's going on. <laughs> but here, it's like, uh, so Samur, I'm guessing, yeah. got to work with an organization. And Samur was like, well, this is like a uh, warehouse organization that's special 
specializes in deliveries and also happens to bring in billions of dollars per like friggin what minute and what Amazon doing now but like but I was a bit like it's Amazon yeah, you yeah. were I'm pretty sure submerged some you do end up listening to this you can drop me a private message and tell me if it wasn't if it wasn't Amazon but managed to get 371 participants uh, to engage in this uh, and this was to do uh, to do surveys and we can kind of like have a bit of exploration into this because my understanding is that it was a survey for the employees and there was also a survey for their supervisors and what was going on with why what's up with that okay so the first thing is they got about a thousand people to begin with and they did a survey about 800 ended up doing that first survey and that's already pretty good yeah. 80 percent response rates rocking then the supervisors rated those employees on the job performance seven weeks later okay and so what that does is it creates a time lag so it's a sort of a longitudinal study of sorts it means that like Time one data was collected from the employees, performance data collected from the supervisors at time two, and then you could like, you can join that data together and the idea would be there's causality. Yeah. That how they were judged at time one kind of affected the way they performed at time two. Yeah. And after all that was done, 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 there were 371 like complete pieces of data where they were matched. Yeah. And so essentially like they asked about these underdog expectations with items like the, the employees themselves would say, I am viewed as an underdog in doing this job by other individuals mm. or things like I'm seen as an underdog compared to my coworkers. So these are just like straight up questions where they just got to say, do I think I'm an underdog or not? They might be wrong. Like it may be that everyone's else like, no, I thought they were fine. Yeah. And they might have like a weak self-esteem issue or their mom might have yelled at them on that day. <laughs> or you just tell them <laughs> Mother! <laughs> but for whatever reason, when they felt like they were seen as an underdog, later on, the supervisors said, actually, they out- like they did really well. They performed, mm. you know. This ties in a bit with, like, humility. And I'm kind of, like, riffing. Well, most this entire podcast is us kind of riffing. But, like, it kind of feels a bit like the idea of like, I know we looked at humble leaders, but also I guess like people who are humble performers, because it seems like you have a group of individuals who are a bit humble about their capabilities, maybe even a bit down on themselves. So maybe it's kind of like a step, well, I guess underdog is a step beneath being humble about it, but because they were asking the supervisors things like, well, does this person complete the tasks that are asked of them? Like, can they fulfill responsibilities? Like, do they neglect aspects of their job? And so the people who are a bit more heightened about how how they feel about themselves and then possibly how others might then also feel about them, I guess they kind of felt yes. like, well, I'm a bit more conscientious about my work. Yes, if I yes. already feel like the underdog yes. and I perform to those standards, I'm not good enough. And one thing that I really like what you're saying here, when you mentioned the layering, one of the things that's beautiful about the layering here is in this study, that would almost be like an alternative explanation that it's like, it's conscientiousness. And when they feel like, and what they'd like you to believe, it's because they want to prove the other people wrong. Yes. And that's where, like, then study two, hey. that's, what's, that's what's kind of cool about it. Yep, yep. It's like, hey, it's almost like Samir and these types of studies say, like, let's go on a journey. Mm. In study one, I'm just going to show there's an effect. Yeah. And then your mind starts being like, but but what if it's... I, I, and then he's like, no, no, I got you. Hey, I got, come hey. Walk into study two with me. Walk into the second room with me. <laughs> 
what's behind door number two, Dan? Yes, man. And behind door number two yes. is 327 participants. And I, I believe this one was in the lab. Uh, it's funny was, how was it they online? used what's called Amazon Turk Prime. Ah, <laughs> yes, so yes, It's yes, kind yes, of funny yes. because yeah. on this one, it's just a way to get people out there in the world to complete surveys. Yes, yeah. so it's not in a physical lab, That's but correct. it's kind of lab conditions in that they're doing this online. That's it. So we're not really with them, but we're assuming that they're trustworthy. And also, we won't go into the details of this, but they do a heap of stuff to kind of rule out people who are being a bit dodgy That's about it. it. And, yeah, That's just it. Trying Cheaters. To earn a quick buck, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's trying to manipulate science. Yeah. And instead of being manipulated by science. I mean, mm. that's what's really fun. So the manipulations were, they got stuck into one of three conditions, either underdog, uh, where it's like they were told, like, you're not going to do well on this. <laughs> yep. And then high observer expectations, which is like, you seem like you're going to nail this. Yep. And then neutral would just be like, it's, it's, it's this task. Yes. And then they basically had to do a real task on which they had to like click on little circles or something. Yeah. It was a real thing though that you got yeah. scores. It's, it's kind of like a bit like a game, like yep. in the sense of yep. my understanding of it is you've got a screen and there's these like expanding circles and you use the mouse to click. Yep. And you have to click the expanding circles. And I guess it's like, how many of them can yeah. you do and how accurately yes. can you do it? What's and I believe they did this partly because it was um, like the, the cognitive load, like kind of like how, because I guess when people are like maybe stressed or they feel negative about themselves, their brain might not be kind of like pinging. Yep. So they wanted to do a yep. challenge that kind of like combined that cognitive element with something else, which I can't remember after reading it. But your point is really, it's actually really important. It's not that they reported doing better. It was an actual task that some people did better and some people did worse. Yep. And that real variance in performance became the dependent variable. Yes. It's actually, again, Okay, maybe it's not like a real job. This is not the way they make money, but for real, some people got more circles clicked. Yes. And they're just saying that's our data. That we're calling that performance. Yeah. To me, that's pretty valid. And like listen to what they told the folks who oh were in the underdogs. They said, <laughs> I don't think you fit this was basically a little note that they got. Yeah, so they do a like they do like a practice one where it's a kind of like, you know, here, just have a just here's a mouse, here's a screen. Give it so a, go. a little bit of click, and then we're just gonna like you know before we go into the real deal, just like a little warm up. And then, and then someone after- gets told they get sledgehammered. It's like I don't think you fit the typical profile. Someone who's like to do exceed in this excel in this task. Judging from these initial scores. I can see there's other participants that have a much better shot at succeed, succeeding than you do. And then the last thing is, you're clearly the underdog. I don't think you got what it takes to beat any of them. Ow. Wow. Man. Right? I mean, that's like a slap in the face, really. Yeah. Because I'm trying to make a buck fifty to click on these circles, dude. Like, now you're sounding like you my mother. <laughs> but this was like a manipulation because it was done uh, at random because you have half who are given that message and they're just, they're, they just read this. It's done in like text form. But then another half get like the opposite where they're told that, you know, you do sound like you're the profile yeah. and I think you would do great at this yeah. and I think you're possibly one of the favorites to win it. So one group, you're kind of, uh, I guess, boosting their esteem you could say yep. and another one you're being like I just don't really yeah. think you're that it's not a great fit yeah <laughs> and so I guess Samur's looking at well what happens yeah. when yeah. you tell people yeah. you tell someone hey I don't really think you're yeah. 
Yeah. And there's a lot of literature suggesting, genuinely, there's a huge literature suggesting that you would have predicted normally the ones you think are going to do great, have all this self-esteem and confidence and self-efficacy, and they work harder, they're more motivated. The ones you tell your sock, they feel bad about themselves, they, they worry about not doing well, they have anxiety about clicking, and that's just not what they found. Yeah, and, and before, because like this this stuff does get pretty juicy, actually, because all they wanted to look at, all, all Samir wanted to look at at this point was, is there an effect like do people because I guess after they did this then they had to do a questionnaire in terms of finding out did you feel like you were the underdog because I remember getting up to this point and just being a bit like and then what happened and it was like oh no I just want to know did they did was it did it register that okay now I feel and was this was there something else he was picking up at this point Uh, not with this study yeah yeah he measured just as you said he measured this um, is that in this task I was seen as an underdog and I was expected to perform better than others in this task and mm. so on. And so they basically, as you said, in this study, were just measuring whether or not they received the sort of manipulation. Yeah. And I think it's study three where they actually went in and then asked, what motivated you? Like, what mm. made you work harder? Yeah. I think that's the one where, let, let's look at this one. This is one where I think these are actual MBAs. Yes, in there, it's a core intro to management course at a large Midwestern university. I'm not saying which one. I'm not saying which one. <laughs> but um, I think that what they did on this one is they gave them a little like virtual negotiation context. Yep. And again, put them in like a, um, a random assignment to different conditions where some were again told like, Researchers do not expect you to perform better than other negotiators. They suggested you're an underdog, and others were told like, "Hey, you're gonna you're gonna kill this thing. You know, yeah. You've done well." Yeah, and then there was also like a group where they were told you're pretty much evenly matched. So I guess that's just kind of like a contr- is that like a just neutral. A control neutral that's group? Right. And it's a bit like okay, well then we can see well what happens if you say something positive. What happens if you say something negative? What happens if you also just leave people alone? Here's an idea. What happens if you just leave people alone? See what they do. Because that's kind of like what the work life is, right? Like quite a lot of work life is, here's a job that I've got. Why is someone now over my shoulder? And it's like, let's call, let's let's get a meeting and we can really rally everyone up and get them excited about their day. Or another part of it is like, well, let's have a review and let's point out everything that you're doing wrong. And a lot of it is like, can I just... Yeah, can I get can to I, work? Can I just... I got to talk to the customers. I got them on the <laughs> like, line too. <laughs> yeah, I know, I, know, as you, I know your job is manager. And in order to feel like you're managing, you must take up most of my time. But I, ca- I can do the job. I can just... I could just do the job and then go home. And all this stuff about your yeah. fake expectations. I don't need that, asshole. I have my mom. Yeah, bring my mom into the office. Have me, so. have me hot desk with her and then you'll see what kind of work I can really do. Um, so yeah, so this this one was like a negotiation exercise. So it's well, like... There's the other thing that I wanted to say. Is oh, this is the first one where they literally asked them... I wanted to prove these researchers wrong. Mm. And I cared about proving to researchers that their expectations of me were wrong. And this is the first one where it's like, it's not just the case that if you're misjudged and judged too lowly, you work harder. Yep. They're trying to show, here's why you're motivated. Yes. And this is kind of cool what you were saying earlier, Akin, about like why we even do this podcast. 
it is kind of interesting for me to think about in the real world, if you can get a narrative in your head that you are the upstart and you are the underdog, mm. I think it can be used by yourself to gain motivation. Like Jay-Z, for example, is interesting. A lot of his songs kind of talk about how like you thought I'd never have a record label yeah. or like you, know, you thought I could never do this thing. And it's kind of interesting how many of us in our own lives, like, like, you know, you didn't think I could get a PhD or like you yep. didn't think. And it, it is interesting how it's just a narrative. Man. But if it's helpful and it, invi- it like invites you to like show them wrong, I wonder, is that okay? Or is that dirty pool? Like that is like, <laughs> what's hilarious about that is like, yo, Jay, like, oh, look, everyone believes in you. Like, he's, like Jay-Z is still saying no one, like, we all believe in you now, Jay-Z. You got two billion. Right, you got- you're two billion reasons to know that you're all right now. We get it. We were wrong. Okay. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. From the Black Album. We right? knew. We, okay. We, 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 we were wrong. Okay. Okay. We did misjudge. Mea culpa. But like the last 22 years of this, we, we're like... Because we, we were talking about this a bit, like, off, <laughs> off, off mic then. And we were, we were talking a bit about, like, um, uh, transactional analysis, which is, like, it's... it's So when we're engaging with, like, people or in groups, we're, we're operating either from, like, our parent position, which is kind of, like, you know, based on rules and kind of judgments and what's right or wrong. Our adult, which kind of, like, is just kind of, like, the sensible, kind of, like, the most rational version of ourselves. And the child, who is, like, very much impulsive and... But we kind of operate on these levels quite unconsciously, but they provide motivations. But what they also mean is that we just start playing games in real life. And in transactional analysis, most of the games that people Mm. play are actually quite negative because we're trying to, what we're actually trying to do is justify our own bad feelings. So an example of it might be, um, example of it might be like, if it wasn't for you, for example. Mm -hmm. So like uh, in a relationship, like a husband might set up situations where he could achieve something if he kind of worked a bit hard, but he doesn't really believe in himself. So he sets up situations where these opportunities arise then doesn't really mm. go for it, but then starts an argument with his wife and it's like, I could have been something mm. if it wasn't for mm. you. Mm. So most mm. of the games we play in transactional analysis yeah. are actually quite negative, like in terms of the effects, apart from one of the games, which is kind of along the lines of wait till they see me. And that's kind of like uh-huh. Jay-Z's game, yes. like unconsciously, yes. Yes. or maybe even quite consciously, part of his game and the game of quite a lot of the underdogs, if you watch like sports people, yes. like in yes. interviews before like a big tennis game and it's a bit like, like, oh, you're the underdog, you'll never beat Federer. And it kind of like sets off this thing. Like having a reporter who's never picked up a racket or some interviewer telling you that like, you're going to get smashed by Federer or Nadal. You want to prove them wrong. You want to be a bit like, I want to prove you especially wrong. I will be thinking about your lips sneering as I take that championship. Yeah. Yeah. that, That actually, to me, I'm wondering, is that actually okay and helpful and even useful? You know what I mean? Like if, if one... I wonder what the effects are in terms of like your heart rate and your health. Mm. I wonder if there are like downsides to being seen as the underdog or, yep. or playing the underdog role. Yes. And I do wonder if there's downsides. But for now, without knowing those downsides, I'm saying I wonder if maybe it isn't always helpful to like punch up and be acting like I want to be at the world class and anyone who thinks I'm not going to be, I'm going to prove them wrong. Yeah. As a way to like self-motivate almost. 
Yeah. It's kind of interesting. This paper made me think that a bunch of different times. And it's also kind of cool that that's um, part of what our podcast might be good for, is showing people these like counterintuitive phenomena that reliably came out in four different studies, yep. four different samples. And um, I don't know, it's kind of an interesting, it could be practical. It's very practical. This one's tricky for me because, like, as I was kind of, like, goofing about at the beginning of this, like, how do you set this one up? That's that's the difficult thing for it. Like, if I want to motivate someone who I know, like, if I know someone personally and I feel like they could achieve more, it's like, how do I set them up as the underdog yeah. in a way that's, like, it's kind of like you'd have to get, like, uber Machiavellian to kind of set that situation yeah. up because it's also it is also reliant on them yeah. not thinking yeah. that much of me yeah. and like we kind of explored that in study four where that's the tricky thing about like really triggering yeah. this effect let's talk about study four yeah. that's a good point what study four is so good for is it starts looking at the credibility of observers mm. and that idea of saying the person who believes that i'm not going to cut it is not credible to me and therefore it shatters that effect of their low expectations yeah it shatters pygmalion effects basically because i don't think you know what you're talking about there you go yeah and that's the bit that's yeah. and so they're <laughs> kind of able to show bit. yeah that is a bit tricky yeah i'm almost um this is a little bit of a side but i'm, I'm really interested in seeing that new will smith uh, movie with uh, about the williams sisters the the tennis players oh okay because i think a lot of what which of the uh, which of the williams sisters is will smith playing <laughs> well, <laughs> he's the bad but what's really awesome about it i think is this effect is part of what he used all mm. along to like show the world yeah. how wrong they were about the ability level of these two players yeah. and about people just kind of like putting, like dismissing them. Yeah. I saw a preview, that's all I know. But I think that now that we're talking so animatedly yeah. about this, I think that the underdog effect is like right at the heart of that movie. Oh, okay. So there's some homework for if you really enjoy this uh, episode, peeps. The homework for you is go find the latest movie about the Williams sisters and watch it. So, uh, so study four was quite similar to study two, I believe. Same well, game. The, the one, yeah, the one where they've got to click the things on the screen and they kind of got to do as much of it as they can. But the thing that they were looking, I guess the manipulation here was you're going to be the person who's telling you how well you're, they think you're going to do. You also get to see some information about them. That's right. And part of that information was, I think it was two parts. One, how they themselves did on the, the game. Uh, and then also their ability to actually judge accurately how people yes. would do yes. in the game. Yes. And so for the for the effect, what they wanted to do was see, well, what happens if we assign a group of people as the underdogs, but also what happens if is if they're the person who's kind of like critiquing them yeah. or assessing them, we'll have two groups where one of them is actually quite good at the game and good at assessing kind of how people will do but the other one's terrible at the game and terrible so if you're in the underdog group yep. and you've got the person who's terrible at it yep. telling you they don't think you're going to do so well what does that yes. do that's it and really this paper is i think it's incredible in a way if you don't look at the credibility of the observer 
making the people the underdog versus like the the preferred person, it didn't have an effect on performance. Mm. Once you put in whether or not the credibility was high or low is when they found the effect versus lost the effect. Yeah. So what's so powerful about this to me is they actually showed that if the person was credible and they said that you were a loser, you performed worse. If the person said that you were a loser, but they themselves were a loser, you wanted to prove them wrong. And the items were literally things like, I will do everything that I can in this task to demonstrate that I can outperform my observer's expectations. Yeah, it just replaced my observer with mother. <laughs> the mother's such a strong theme today. I feel energized by the opportunity to show my mother, I mean observer, that I can exceed her expectations of me. <laughs> it becomes a life journey, folks. Right? It's like imagine imagine like how many like there's there's, there's heaps of us out there where like it's so, the only thing motivating us. Like the only thing is I'll I'll, I'll show you dad. <laughs> you thought I was nothing. Well, who's laughing now? <laughs> He's still laughing. He's still laughing. He's still that's, that's still laughing. <laughs> Fine. Okay. So that's really, um, that's the thing that we needed to kind of get out about this last one. And, and uh, you know, what's beautiful about it is it puts the entire thing together. That is to say, it puts the full model of when I'm an underdog and I don't believe in the judge that called me an underdog then I want to prove them wrong mm. and I perform higher. Yes. And if they actually are credible, then it falls into the normal literature of the Gollum effect and I actually perform worse. So yep. it kind of integrates it into the literature while showing the specific effect that they predicted. Yes. And then just one little takeaway, actually, before Dan and I get the hell out of here. One of the things to notice about this, uh, this effect is that the benefits are actually quite short term. This is kind of like, a, so it was in kind of like the intro where they said like researchers have found that when people are focused on proving their capabilities to others, it can be beneficial for short term performance as it heightens cognitive and effective engagement and sharpens focus on potential positive outcomes. So those of you who are parents out there, you have to keep reinforcing the message that you think your child is no good. It's not enough to tell oh them. Gosh. Just oh once. <laughs> and that's what squeezing the orange is all about. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> Take care, Pete. Bye.